a bunch of messages already planned out. I mean, I study and I plan and, and I hear the Lord. And many times the Lord will speak to me, even tell me which date to do things. And then what's been fun about King David is he'll just throw in an extra message for me. He'll, hey, Dave, David, don't, don't forget this principle. You need, you need to teach on this. And so the Lord's been kind of, it's been really fun, actually, hearing the Lord for you. I'm super confident, as you guys know, that when I come here on a Sunday morning, I'm giving to you not just cool principles, although they're really cool principles, but they are the word of the Lord. They're the word of the Lord for you uh, for today, for us, I should say. So uh, always, I do this like Saturday, Sunday, you know, Monday. A lot of times I'm, I'm like, Lord, what's the next week? Right? Lord, what do you want to say on Palm Sunday? You know? Silence. Lord, what, what, which, which David message do you want me to speak on? Sunday. Or what do you what do you want to say? Silence. Absolute silence. I was seriously like, so Monday, utter silence. Okay? By Tuesday, Monday, I'm like, what's going on? By Tuesday, I'm all, uh, Lord, 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 what's going on? Because I know, I know it's not God. You know what I'm saying? What's going on in me, right? Oh, what is going on here? I go, Lord, 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 what? what? Is there something going on in my heart? Am I just tired? Am I, just, am I something going on? What's wrong with me? You know, <laughs> you know, because there could be tiredness or something like that. I said, I even so. Then I just okay, okay, Lord, 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 is there is there someone else who needs to preach? You know, what I'm saying you got a word for someone else because that, uh, that right? Do you want to say something else? And once I once I opened my heart in that way, once I said, Lord, what? what damn, you know, I'm not assuming anything. What what do you want to say? said, forgiveness. And then he reminded me, like the light turned on. Oh, you told me that like a month ago. I just didn't put it in the schedule because I didn't really believe that. Uh, I, didn't, I thought it was just me. You know, sometimes we do that. The Lord had been talking to me about what he wanted to do on Palm Sunday for a little while now. But I hadn't, I was thinking King David, you know. And he said, Forgiveness. The Lord showed me what he wanted to do today. I needed to remember. The reason why I thought maybe I was tired, real quick side note, personal note, I, I stayed home Monday and Tuesday. I was like achy. I get these weird bumps on my arms. I thought I was being attacked only on one side of my body by weird bugs. We're like freaking out over here. And this is me. This is a little insight into me. I've got these weird bumps on my arm, and I'm telling Michelle, like, I just feel kind of weird. I'm like... So I stay home, like thinking, well, I'll help Michelle. It's been kind of a rough couple weeks, and I say, I'll help Michelle. I'll do some work at home. I start trying to get caught up. It's Thursday, and I'm like, tell Michelle, I still feel out of it. And then I, told, I finally decided to tell her, this is totally me. I go, I haven't told you, but for about a week, I've had this weird numbness and pain up my whole arm. It's totally me. I just don't, I just don't say anything, right? She's like, what, you know? So we, we go to the doctor. We go to the doctor, just check it out. And by, oh, and by the way, like, I had Kurt lay hands on me. I always go to the, go to the people lay hands on Kurt lays hand on me, and I definitely felt better, like, energy-wise. Uh, but I still, I was like, I told Kurt, I was like, man, I feel better. Like, you pray for me, man, I feel like I'm back on. But my arm's weird, you know? This is weird. And so we, uh, uh, and John, Paul, and Nancy laid hands on me, and we went, uh, we went to the doctor, right? And they said, you have shingles. Don't worry, it's not contagious, all right? So I'm good to go. Yeah, she, I'm like, what? And they said, this is what was the hilarious part for Michelle and I. They say, yeah, the shingles usually can come on through stressful situations. Michelle and I just look at each other and start laughing, you know? 
like February was pretty, uh, not, it was just emotional, not stressful. But uh, I keep telling John Paul that it's not because of the roof, right? He thinks that because we got a new roof, I got shingles. And then he wanted me to come to church. He, didn't, he wanted me to put a hood on and run around saying, unclean, unclean, all that stuff. But I, so, uh, so if I, I kind of turn my, my left arm away from you, it's just more I just kind of protecting you a little bit. But a little bit of pain, don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. I just, I told myself, dumb shingles, dumb devil. So, stupid. So, <laughs> just messing around. So actually, but I, I do believe that people laying hands on me has really given me strength and, and taken away a lot of the pain, and they gave me some weird thing to take too. Cool. So anyways, uh, it's all good. What were we talking about? Forgiveness. So my point is that God has a word today. God wants to do a powerful thing in our hearts today. Amen? And... If this was a classroom, we would come for tantalizing new information, right? If this was a movie theater, we would come for entertainment. But this is neither of those, is it? This is the church, the gathering of believers. Why are we here? To hear the word of the Lord. To hear God speak a word that would change us. Amen? It's not new information. Two plus two, got it. But to know God never ends. Two plus two, got it. Nice little movie is fun. You know, it's fun, but you forget about it too. A little bit later, well, a good one you might remember a little bit. You pretty much forget about it. But the word is to change me. Amen? And so it's so important that we come and we know God is going to speak to us through his word. Amen? This is the word of the Lord. And I can speak to you for five minutes. Oh, praise God. No. Or 50 minutes. We know, Dave. But if you don't open your heart, it does nothing, does it? Amen? God wants to say something. You know, sometimes it takes time. We watch two, three-hour movies, don't we? But we can't hear the Word of God for a handful of minutes. What does that say about our hearts? We need to hear God's Word. We need the Word to wash us. Right? There's nothing wrong with a movie, by the way. But we need to hear God. It's more important. What we do here is so important. The epicenter, amen? The epicenter. So hey, can we put up that declaration? We got that you got that up there? And uh, let's take your Bibles and like I said, if you don't have one, just steal one from somebody else. If it's digital, you gotta open your Bible app. No, I'm just messing around. I I don't have my Bible app open, I'm being silly. But you guys know the point. All right. One, with faith, right? This is us declaring to God. With faith, one, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen, Lord. Amen. So, Father... Anoint me to speak your word that you've given me, but anoint my friends with ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that receives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do it, Lord. So Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and then we're going to turn to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, after turn to Ephesians 4. 
Ephesians 4, the very end of the chapter, verse 32. We're going to read that. And uh, Sam, can you put that up on the board? Ephesians 4, 32 and f- through 5, 2. Make sure we get that up there. Let me, uh, he'll get that up there. Listen, listen right now. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this in, in Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Paul is telling us that God has forgiven us in Christ. Paul is telling us that Jesus loves us, loves us so much that he would lay down his life as a sacrifice, die for our sin, die our death so that we could have eternal life, eternal salvation, and be reconciled to God, have a right relation with God, peace with God. He died for that reason. Amen? And Paul is telling us to love as God loved us and to forgive as God has forgiven us. Not love like someone else has loved you. Not love what you think love is. Not forgive based upon someone else's action, behavior, attitudes, or anything. The comparison is not between you and another person, you and your mom and dad, you and somebody else who's your template, your model, you and yourself, you and your personality. Who are we called to imitate? Who are we called to be just like? Who are we called to follow? Jesus, amen? That's what it means to be a disciple, right? One who is becoming and doing just like the master. We are to literally be the replication, the reproduction, the imitation of Jesus. He is our Lord and master. We're to follow, we're to mimic, we're to imitate, do exactly what he does. And so it's so important for us to understand his love, isn't it? It's so important to understand his forgiveness, Because if you don't understand his love, how can you love like he loves? And if you don't understand his forgiveness, how can you forgive as he forgives? We're called to love as he loves, to forgive as he forgives. And if a person does not love like Jesus loves, they don't know him, the Bible says. 1 John. That if... A person does not forgive like God forgives. They don't know his forgiveness. You cannot say, you cannot say that you know God's love and not love like he loves. It's not possible. And you cannot say you understand his forgiveness and not forgive like he forgives. It's incongruent in the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, meaning their offenses, rebellion against you, their hurt against you. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Did I say that or did Jesus? Jesus said it. Yeah. Listen to me. To God, to God, not me, to God. This is a serious issue, isn't it? This is one of the most serious things in the Scriptures. Jesus sounds pretty intense right now, doesn't he? We don't like that. Isn't Jesus grace itself? Isn't Jesus love? Didn't Jesus die for our sins? Yeah. Why would Jesus say this? Because to God, this is serious. I'm just the messenger, amen? I didn't write that. This is the most serious thing I've ever heard Jesus say, except for the blasphemy of the Spirit, which we're not going to talk about today, right? This is, this is serious stuff. Listen, you cannot receive God's love and not give it to someone else. It's incongruent. What I mean is this. Grace is the very air of heaven. You have come into the kingdom of God. You are living in a relationship with God based upon God's choice to love you and forgive you. God chose to forgive you. He chose to forgive you because He loves you. And you have entered into a relationship with the Father. The Bible says that through faith you've been justified uh, and, and therefore you have peace with God. You've been made right with God. You have peace with God. He's not mad at you. He loves you. You and I, we're children of God. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Princes and princesses. We're living in the kingdom. So, but you have entered the kingdom through the doorway of forgiveness that he purchased with his own blood. He chose to die for your sin. This is, it's so much bigger even than we realize. Your problem became his problem. Your responsibility became his responsibility. You need to understand that God is not responsible for your sin. At all. I was a little intense just because I really love God. And I don't like how people accuse God. God is not responsible for Adam and Eve's sin. God is not responsible for your sin. You are responsible for your sin. You chose it. I chose it. We rebelled against God. Injustice, wickedness, brokenness, all of that stuff on the earth. Sickness, disease, because we rebelled against God. He is not responsible for our sin, and yet he chose to die on the cross, take your sin on, his, on the cross, take your death that you deserve, take my death that I deserved, because he loves you. It's your debt that you owe to God. And we don't know how great that debt really is, do we? We don't realize just how much we've sinned against God. I'm convinced you can tell a non-believer, a person who doesn't have the Spirit of God in them, 
that they're, they've sinned against God, they've broken God's law, and they need forgiveness. And, and, and that's important. We need to communicate that, by the way. Communicate, hey, look, you broke God's law, that's why Jesus died. And, and then they accept that forgiveness. But I'm convinced that if you're not born again, I don't believe you could ever understand just how great our, your sin really is. I don't think it's until you get saved that you actually realize just what he did. I, the way I like to think of it is, you, you know, we're like, oh, man, I got a little pain, you know? Jesus, you know, you go, you go to the doctor and, oh, yeah, the pain's gone now, you know? We, we, that's how we are. Oh, yeah, I, I, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I was a sinner. I was a, addicted to, to things, and I hurt people, and I was an axe murderer, and then Jesus died for me, and now I'm forgiven, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm such a good person now, right? Dude, that wasn't even the beginning. It's like, we went, it's like when you go to the doctor and you're like, oh, I got a little pain. Imagine a person goes, oh, I got a little pain. And you find out, dude, you got a tumor the size of Alaska in you. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen a, a, an iceberg, you know? The tip is up here and you see a picture and like 75% is like below the surface. That's you and I. We're like, yeah, see, I'm a sinner. Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sin. And we like see this little mound of ice. And that's our testimony, right? Jesus died for that iceberg. Because that's all we want other people to see too. And most of us think if God knew what was really underneath his surface or our friends knew, then they wouldn't really love us. No, 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 he knows. Hello, right? Right? Okay, huge. And what I'm trying to say is we don't realize the massive astronomical debt that we had before God. The sin, the grievous sin in our hearts against God and the law that we broke to God and broke his heart and rebelled against him. We don't realize just how great that sin is. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. We don't realize just how serious this is. And so God, because he loves, doesn't want people to go to hell. It's not his will. He chose to take your problem, your responsibility, your sin on himself. The author of life died your death. The sinless one bore your sin. Way more than you'll ever realize. Past, present, and future, right? You can't understand forgiveness if you don't understand sin or injustice. There's no reason to forgive if there's no justice in the heart of God. He loves and he's just. So he chooses to forgive our sin. All of it, amen? All of it. And then he turns around to us and says, you love as I love you, and you forgive as I have forgiven you. And so you and I have entered into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, through that doorway of forgiveness, and the very air that we're breathing is grace. You are immersed, saturated in grace. And how can we not be a people of grace? It is so incongruent in the mind of God that it's like if, 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 you, if I said to you, or if you said to me, yeah, 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 I'm swimming right now in the pool. And I was like, uh, your hair's dry, your bathing suit's dry, your body's dry. Like, um, you're not swimming in the pool. Can you be in a pool and not be wet? This is the silliest thing in the world, right? 
that is absolutely ridiculous. That's why I like using those types of illustrations. You cannot be in a pool and not be wet. I don't know of any other, I don't know how to do that. You cannot be in a pool and not be wet. You cannot be immersed in the grace of God and not be a conduit of it. This is what I'm trying to say. Jesus is absolutely communicating to us the realities of the kingdom of God. That if you do not forgive, it will not be forgiven you. What he's trying to say is you cannot be in a pool without being wet. And you cannot be in the kingdom without being immersed and saturated in grace. You cannot know love and not give it. You cannot know forgiveness and not give it. It's a serious issue, isn't it? To the Lord. Look at Matthew 18. This story here is, is one of the most powerful parables on this issue. Jesus is telling a story, or I'm sorry, uh, Peter asked Jesus a question. Jesus is actually talking about sin. He's talking about confrontation, reconciliation. He's actually, it's the context is reconciliation. He's giving us instruction about how to come back into a healthy relationship. And so Peter asked him a question because Jesus is bringing up this issue of reconciliation. It's like if, it's if I were telling you, hey, we need to reconcile, and if somebody has wronged you, go ahead and talk to them about it. And your response would be, oh, oh, but, but they did this to me, right? So anytime we talk about reconciliation, this issue of forgiveness comes up. Why? Because forgiveness is the first step towards reconciliation. It paves the way for reconciliation to take place. It's the first step. And so Peter says, well, oh, well Jesus... Um, is it any surprise that Peter asked the question, right? I love this about Peter. We like this. But uh, verse 21, then Peter came to, uh, to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, Peter thought he was being gracious. He thought, you know, three would be good. Generally, that's what rabbis would teach. He said, seven, you know? So he's obviously catching on that Jesus is extravagant in his love. Seven. <laughs> I added four. We think by addition, God thinks by multiplication, right? Jesus says, oh, no, no. Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times. Basically saying, basically what he means is, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't teach you seven. That's not what I'm teaching you. No. Without the attitude. Okay, I do not say up to, up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, some people interpret that as you know, 490 or whatever, but, but no, it, it, it's, a, it's a Hebrew concept saying always. It's kind of a play on, on the number here. Seven times seven. No, 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 no. Seven times seven, like, no, you keep forgiving now remember the context of this is confrontation. Jesus never teaches forgive and forget. I got this broken arm because my husband's beating me. Now you just need to forgive and just forget and you know just suck it up and just you know what? Yeah, forgive and get out. You know what I'm saying? Like physical abuse, you physically need to separate. I didn't say divorce, but physically separate. Now I, you know. 
But people will counsel people in some crazy ways. Jesus never said, just be a mouse, be a doormat. No, no, no. No, the context of this is confrontation. But if you don't want reconciliation, you won't confront, will you? We avoid confrontation. Whole nother message. Forgiveness is the doorway and the, and the first step towards reconciliation where these kinds of things can happen. Forgiveness is a process. But Jesus says to him, no, 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 up to 70 times 7, and then tells a parable. Don't you love that? I love the stories of Jesus that help us to understand. And I love it because he's very witty. We don't get it because we're not in the, right, in the same culture as Jesus. He's very witty. He's very confrontive, and he exaggerates a lot to make his point. And so the people in his day, if you really hear the parables of Jesus, you would, really, you would be offended. Like, you really. Like, a lot of times we don't get offended because we just, like, we misinterpret it or we, like, get away from it. If you really understood the parables of Jesus, it would confront you greatly. So he tells this story about this king, and he's always telling a story about a king when it comes to the kingdom. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, referring to God, obviously, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, if you were in the ancient world, you would laugh right there. You'd be like, it's impossible. That's like me saying to you, there's a dude with a credit card debt of $10 billion. See? I always really appreciate Brian because he always laughs at my jokes, even though they're not funny. Thanks, I'll pay you later. Um, (laughs) What I'm trying to say is the moment Jesus said that, you would be like, pfft. Like, that would ever happen. No king would ever let that happen. You've got to understand something that Jesus weaves into his parables all the time. He displays God as this extravagantly gracious, really patient God. He's righteous and just, and it would be fair for him to be like, I'm done with this world. It's only been two days, God. I know. You totally have rebelled against me. Start over again. But he never did that, did he? Because he covenanted to love us and to bring healing and he made a promise to reconcile us to himself. So Jesus describes the Father as this like super patient God where people owe him a debt that's like billions of dollars. But one day he will want to settle accounts. What judgment is to settle accounts? And we owe God this debt. Notice it says, who owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25. But as he, referring to the, sl- the servant, as he was not able to pay. You hear that? He was not able to pay. Yeah, everyone would be like, yeah, duh. Of course. He's not able to pay. And l- listen, people do this. Well, I do good things. I can go to heaven because I do good things. I really try. Well, hold on a sec. So your good things amount to like $100, maybe 1000 for like, you know, Bill Gates? No, I mean, I'm being silly. We have a billions dollars of debt is what Jesus is trying to say. You are not able to pay that back by your own human effort. This is why we need the grace that Jesus provides at the cross. Someone else needs to pay that debt. This is the whole essence of the cross. Verse 25, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had and that payment be made, which would really pay, like literally less than a thousandth percent. 
percent or something. I mean, it wouldn't cover any of the debt, really. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will repay you all. That's some good legalism right there. I'll earn it back. I'll do penance. I'll be a good person. I'll feed the poor. I'll never sin again. Just be patient with me, right? And this is our perception of God, isn't it? That's how I was raised. You're a sinner, God's mad. I mean, that's, how, that's what I thought. So this is my perception of God. Beg you. I'll repay. But the Bible says that we are unable to pay it back. We are unable. And Christ died for us, it says, when we were ungodly, when we were powerless, it says, to do anything. And I love this. This got me as I was just meditating. Listen, in verse 27. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, forgave his debt. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because he was moved with compassion. Because he loves us. Where is that compassion coming from? Think about it. Remember the Good Samaritan? Was the Good Samaritan responsible for the man who was beaten and left half dead? That, he didn't cause that problem. He didn't cause that problem. He was coming by, saw a man who had been beaten and left for dead, and was moved with passion. Compassion says, you're in a place that's broken and hurting and shouldn't be. Compassion desires to bring life and healing and wholeness. Reach out sacrificially. What happened, Jesus is describing this king, God, as a God who sees that we are so broken and hurt and unable to redeem ourselves, forgive, get, earn his forgiveness, so far rebelling against him, believing so many lies, that he's moved with compassion and moved with compassion, he made promise after promise after promise in the Old Testament that he would die and rise. So much compassion that he would leave heaven, become a human being for all eternity. God became man. The Word became flesh. Died on a cross. So much compassion that he would lay his own life down. I mean, seriously, if I was God, I'd be like, uh, Gabriel, come here. You're going to die so much compassion that God becomes a man and dies to purchase our freedom, healing, wholeness, forgiveness. And then, and then he loves us every single day. How much patience has the Lord shown you? How much forgiveness has the Lord continued to show you? He purchased your freedom and your forgiveness, past, present, future. How much has he continued to love you? How many times do we mess up? How many times do we fall short? We're still in process, every single one of us, and he keeps showing forgiveness, showing grace, showing love, reaching out to us again and again and again and again and again. And will that patience ever run out? Love never fails because God is love. This is why anything that's not forgiveness or love is incongruent with his character. You have no legal right not to forgive. You have authority over demons. You have access to the promises of God. You have no legal right not to forgive. <clears throat> and so God, moved with compassion, 
releases this servant from his debt because he sees this man is not able, this man is not going to be able to earn this back. That's grace. Legalism, religion misses that, doesn't it? Religion hears, I have a debt before God and I have to earn his approval. But grace hears, you're free. There's no more debt. See, forgiveness cancels debts, real debts, and it brings accounts to the present. It's the key to inner healing. The key to deliverance. Because it cancels the debt and brings accounts to the present. It's the reset button on relationships. It's the jubilee. when Debts are canceled. It's the reset button. It paves the way for relationship, for peace, reconciliation. So then this man in verse 28, the servant, But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about a hundred days wage, which is about the average credit card debt of an American. Or so. I mean, maybe not, but around around that. I don't know if average is the right word to say. And listen to what he does. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you all. Now I want you to notice, number one, the man owed him. Forgiveness doesn't make sense unless there is genuine wrong. I said it earlier, didn't I? So this way too. I don't have to forgive you if you didn't actually do anything wrong to me. The man owed him a hundred denarii. He owed him that money. But what's the difference? First of all, you notice Jesus describes the father as very benevolent and patient. He describes this man as a throat strangler. The two servants say the same thing, have patience with me and I will repay you all. God was moved with compassion, with love. This man was moved with selfish greed. Sometimes I wonder if he even ever heard the king's words that he was released from the dead. Like I said earlier, you cannot love if you don't know what love is. And I wonder if this servant, doesn't say it in the text, but I wonder... Maybe this servant didn't even know he was forgiven, trying to get his hundred denarii to pay back the king. It's possible. It's also possible that he knew he was forgiven and chose to do this anyways. Because we do that too, don't we? You know you've been forgiven. You don't deserve any of it. And listen to me, no matter how much somebody owes you, they never owe you as much as you owed God. Let me say it another way. 
There's nothing that anyone has ever done to you that you did not do worse to God. Now that's pretty intense to say, yeah? Because some of you have been wounded greatly. And I'm not making light of that wound. Somebody has wronged you. That is a debt to you that they owe. You. They do. That's justice. God's mercy triumphs over justice, yes? But what we don't get is that no matter how grievous the sin that people have committed against us, the debt we owe God is far greater, astronomically greater. Now, we don't like to hear that as human beings. Want to know why? Because we're rebels. Put yourself in God's shoes. The only way to see this the right way. He is right to judge, holy in his forgiveness, his love. We are called to be holy like he is holy, like the humble, saving king. He could have come in judgment, but came and died on a cross. Who forgives, and loves. And so this man strangles him, the guy begs him, but he would not listen, and he says, but went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt, which is not possible then. So when his fellow servants saw what, they, what had been done, listen, they were very grieved. Shouldn't it grieve us? I think it's fair to say that we would be grieved. I, w- I want you to understand, not only is this serious to God, but unforgiveness, like I said earlier, It is one of the worst bondages. It brings us into such bondage and hardness of heart so that we don't receive things from God. We don't receive things from others. It separates and divides relationship. This is one of the most destructive things ever. And when we really understand the cross, then to not forgive, I get why these servants were grieved. Wouldn't you? Dude, brother, hello, billions, ah, billions, ah, 100 days wage, come on. Does it make sense? Dude, hello. So what did they do? They went to the king. They said, uh, king, they tattled, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, they, because this was an injustice, a man was in prison And the king, his response is very important for you to see. Verse 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity or compassion on you? You see what he just said? This is the key. This is exactly what you hear every time in the Gospels. To have compassion as I had compassion. And to forgive as I forgave. And the master is completely blown away. It's like God's surprised. You know what I mean? Like God's like, what? (laughs) Ah, ah, I did that. 10 billion, 100 days, 
Ah! Right? God is, and he calls him a wicked servant. Wickedness, bent, broken. If you ever hear me say something is wicked, it means when you call light darkness and darkness light. It's when you call truth a lie and a lie truth. It's something that's bent. I don't use that word a lot, but I will say when something is wicked. Wickedness. When we justify our sin, walk in self-deception, because it's one of the worst bondages we could ever get ourselves into. Just trying to communicate the gravity of why God would say that. Then says, it says in verse 34, And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due. Verse 35 is the point. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Forgiveness is a process. Comes from your heart. But what I want to challenge us to do today is simply choose to forgive as God forgave. The word forgiveness literally means to release, let go. It literally means to release from the debt. You no longer owe me. And here's what you do you take them off your hook, you put them on God's hook. You still have to stand before God. You have no right to judge, because you are not the judge. I have to judge. So we take him off and we take her off our hook and put them on God's hook. Forgiveness does not mean it's okay. It means I release you from that debt because I have been forgiven. You do it not because they deserve it, not even because you choose to do it, but because Jesus is your master, Lord. And he's really wise too, by the way. But even if you don't get the wisdom of it, you do it out of obedience, bottom line. But he's very wise. I want you to understand how destructive unforgiveness is. I remember about a, maybe I think it was two years ago. I would let, first of all, I had such a root of offense in my heart before I got saved. So, it was the root issue of bondage in my life until about four or five years after I got saved that I really saw that. God exposed it. I renounced that root of offense. And it, it just brought such deliverance in my life. In my relationship with God, I was offended at God. I loved people. I didn't trust people. I was closed off to people. I was mad at God. All that stuff was rooted in unbelief and offense towards God. But first of all, just randomly, just a random story that, that, like when I say this is serious, this is serious stuff. But, two years ago, I started letting these offenses grow up in my heart towards a particular person, one person. Grievances that I had towards this person. See, those roots of offenses, I'm sorry, those seeds. Think of offense like these little seeds. I mean, it could be as little as, I don't see why Pastor Dave does that. Be little offenses that your spouse has done to you, or and many times it's just people doing sincere, sincere mistakes, right? They're, they make mistakes, they do things, they're not trying to hurt people. But when they're not dealt with, communicated, worked through, or when somebody keeps messing up, uh, I forgave him three times already. He keeps doing it. 
Okay? Somebody who keeps sincerely falling. Uh, we can have these offenses, these seeds. The Bible says that it can cause a root of bitterness to grow up in our lives. Root of bitterness. Those seeds of offense start taking root. Bitterness starts growing up. Let me tell you, it will bear fruit. It will start to bear the fruit. Stonewalling, pushing away, contempt, cynicism, sarcasm, judgment, anger. A lot of times we see it, the fruit, only as anger, the kind of anger where it's expressive and yelling. But the person who shuts their heart down acts like they're the victim. It isn't really communicating. That's just as much anger. But we'll do the, I'm the victim. They're the bully. Right? No. No, no, no. Seeds of offense. Roots of bitterness growing up. It will manifest. I had these seeds of offense growing in my heart. I remember the timing of it because it was right after Easter that it started to express itself. I had these offenses in my heart towards this one person growing in me. I began to think that I was justified in my anger towards that person. This is what we always do. We justify anger. We justify sin. We begin to justify it. My wake-up call came when I yelled at my son, who's only like four, because of some disrespect I think he gave his mother, and I yelled at him. Now, it's not that I don't confront my son, and it's not that I'm not sometimes intense and I put him on timeout, but I knew. I was overly harsh to him. And you don't call him names or anything like that. I just mean I knew. Very intense, angry, very harsh. He went upstairs, timeout, Michelle went upstairs uh, to do something, and I knew. Where did that come from? I know exactly where that came from. I fell on my face before God, and I was crying. That wasn't right to do that to my son. I began to cry out to God. What's going on in my heart? What's What's wrong with me? Why am I so angry? Isn't that has nothing to do with him? telling you, you have a root, you have a seed of offense, a root of bitterness, you will take it out on other people. It will affect every single relationship of yours. If I hadn't dealt with it, it would affect, and it was affecting my relationship with you. Nothing to do with you. You can't compartmentalize this stuff. It was growing up inside of me, and I got on my knees, and I confessed it before the Lord, and I cried out to him. I asked him, show me what's going on. And he showed me exactly what it was, this offense that I had towards this person. And I repented to the Lord, and I went upstairs, and I told my wife, you know, what's going on in my heart, you know? My wife's so great. Maybe you should go to a counselor. She's just wonderful. She's very, very respectful. I will tell you that times in my life I've been to a counselor, it usually is related to this issue because it's been such a strong thing in my life. But you want to know why? It's because this root of offense it changes the way we see God and other people. Wrong perception of God, wrong perception of other people. You will start to see people through a certain lens. You ever wonder why some people, they don't trust people because they were hurt by somebody else? They were hurt by that person, now they don't trust other people. 
Because you're looking through the window, a dirty window now. Listen, forgiveness is freedom and it's purity of heart. This is what I want and this is what I walk in most of the time. Forgiveness, it's the purity of my heart. People usually think of purity as lust, you know, not, lo- and not having lust. Yeah, I mean, Lord, I want my heart pure. No offense. Because then I see clearly. I see God and other people clearly. It's freedom. Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. So here's the invitation to you today. Come on up, worship team. The invitation to you today, and we're going to respond right now, we're going to take communion. The invitation to you today is to choose to forgive. Not because you feel like it, want to, not because someone deserves it, but because Jesus commanded. And then it's a process. This is only the first step to reconciliation. Yes, do we need to talk about our differences and conflicts? Work it through, work towards reconciliation? Praise God, amen. But today is the day to choose forgiveness. Kurt, go ahead and pass out these papers. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the opportunity to write down on a sheet of paper people or things that you have against those people. Lord, I have this against these people. They owe me this. Whether it's your perception or reality, you might be wrong, but if you think they owe it to you, you got to write it down. It's the only way to get a pure heart. You begin to write that down. Name, 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 name. Offense, 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 offense. Some of you might take a while. It could just be one person. It could be nobody if your heart's pure. Here's what I believe. I just spoke to you the word. I think you know. The light shined on your heart. You know. You deal with it before you and God. Why? God, I just want a pure heart before you. So your kingdom can flow through me. Once you write that down, you're free to come and take communion. Why? Because communion reminds us that he, his body was broken and his blood was shed for our forgiveness. And it reminds us, do you know communion we never take alone, right? It's called communion because it's communal. We're to remember the body of Christ, which isn't just remembering his body. We're the body. And literally communion remembers us brings us back into unity so what happens is what I want you to do is you write down these offenses and there'll be a trash can up here Kurt will make sure there's trash cans up here and in the back there's a community table in the front and the back and when you come and you bring those offenses you crumble it up throw it in the trash release it to God choose to release them to God Lord I release them to you say it out loud then take communion you want to take communion you know privately that's fine but I encourage you get with friends and family and take communion if there is somebody here that you need to repent to or ask their forgiveness or pray with them you go ahead and do that you're free to do that but maybe that's not for today reconciliation can happen other days as well so you don't have to force anything to happen it's what you need to choose to do in your heart before the Lord and so um Everyone got those papers? Yeah? Anyone need one? Go ahead and begin to write. Ask the Lord. Father, just show us right now. Lord, if there's any offense in me, show me.